0: Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing In the Vanisher's Palace by Aliette de Bodard, the movie Andracorn, and Oh Captain, My Captain by November Smith.
1: Welcome to episode 51, How to Romance Your Dragon. <laughs> I'm Alex, and I am Saragel from the novel Dragon's Bait by Vivian Vandervelde. I'm Freya, and I am Georgiana Without Ruth from Zencho's Sorcerer to the Crown.
0: I'm Macy, and I am Ramoth from Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern. We are three red-headed fantasy
1: authors. And as you may have guessed, today we're going to be talking about dragons, dear listeners. Uh. I think that mine may have been kind of an obscure cut. Um, <laughs> Dragon's Bait was the first thing that ever gave me fandom feelings when I was like 13, 14 years old before I ever discovered fan fiction. I got to the end of it and I was like, why didn't they kiss? There should be a sequel where they kiss.
2: <laughs> so I have was always... Was one of the kissing ones the dragon?
1: Yes. So it's it's about Excellent. this... Um, girl who gets tied to a stake as a sacrifice for the dragon. Similar to one of our tent poles that we're talking about today. Uh and the dragon is also a were dragon who can shape shift into a beautiful man with golden golden hair.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, I see why you wanted this. Yes. I wanted them to kiss, <laughs> that is I, wanted baby to kiss Alex. I
1: wanted them to kiss real, real bad because I have always been on my bullshit and have never once stopped being on my bullshit. Uh, anyway well, Georgia- that's nice. Sorry, go ahead. Tell us.
2: I was going to say Georgiana without Ruth is kind of a regency, a grumpy regency lady who is also a dragon.
1: Nice. Macy, wh-
0: I think mine needs no explanation. No, you're fine. Yeah. Just Anne McCaffrey. Full stop. I'm Anne fire. McCaffrey.
1: Neat. Yeah. So before we talk any more about dragons, uh, what are we reading, fellow
2: serpents? I have only finished one book since we re- recorded the last episode, and that is The Monster <laughs> of Haven by Macy's agent sibling, Jennifer Giesbrecht which is a dark and violent and wonderful little novella, which had kind of Hannibal vibes, I thought. It's sort of like creepy murder mm. husbands with this like amoral, flirty spark between them. Highly recommended that. Yep. That was lots of fun. Uh, but mostly, mostly, I have been watching The Untamed <laughs> and talking about The Untamed and making everybody yep. I know get into The Untamed yep. so that when I inevitably... Yep. Trip over my own shoelaces and write several thousand words worth of fan fiction. Yep. There will be somebody yep. to read it.
1: Yeah,
0: Freya says when, as if she hasn't started. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> my novel I will, will hear you. <laughs> I I think your novel has heard it's so us. So sad. Yeah. <laughs> this week I have read The Impossible Contract, which is the second book by my agent sibling K. A. Dorr, which is full of garrote wielding lesbian disaster assassins and zombie camels Cool, nice because that's fun and like desert shenanigans and i remain in awe as how people can fit so many things happening in a book that seems like witchcraft and i want to understand but also i'm scared to understand like things happening and i have also been watching the untamed i think that several of the people we got into it might be my fault Mm -hmm, because twitter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. someone was saying that they missed Lyman on twitter and I was like "Ooh, Freya said that that's the same as this boy so I will just slip a wreck into this thread and then yes I'm coming for the entire internet we are all going to watch this show it's important to know that I don't know anything about Lyman I just latched onto it because Freya kept shouting that's a Lyman family in our group chat every time one
1: of the boys came online every time dimples came on oh I love my dimple son (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of which, I seem to have also been looped into The Untamed, mostly because at this point, Macy and Freya and I are kind of like just one person yep. in terms of our reading habits. So like if two of us read a thing or watch a thing, then the third one is sort of like... Fine. obligated it's not even it's not even like peer pressure right it's just like we're it's just gonna happen it's just like we're telepathically soul bonded so that if two of oh us my gosh. watch a thing then the third one has to watch it because it's inevitably <clears throat> going to be a tent pole at some point you know point. if
2: we were actually telepathically soul bonded like in the drift or whatever it would be so much more right. time saving because one of us could watch or read the thing
1: and the yes. others yes. could
2: experience it yeah well, think of what we would get done <laughs>
1: We could watch all the things. We could watch all Did the things. Did you watch anything
0: else, Alex? No, <laughs> well, okay,
1: so I watched The Untamed because Macy and Freya made me, and then I watched a little bit of an art history documentary that Macy recommended to me. What's it called? Civilization? Civilization? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's really good. It's about, like, the history of the world through art history, mm-hmm. and it is fascinating. I've only seen, like, two and a half episodes so far, but I really enjoy it. Um, And, it's yeah, it's just been, like, a very long week so we're nearly yeah, there we're, we're nearly, nearly there. there it's the end of November when we're recording this dear listeners it's the end of Nanorimo. uh it was Thanksgiving this week it's just been a lot but, but now we get to talk on. about dragons dragon fucking yay we're gonna talk about dragon fucking well, and, and i I'm immediately not just the <laughs> fucking yeah usually oh I guess I can't just monologue for 15 minutes about the first tentpole because Freya has a brief thing to mention. Oh, I just
2: wanted to put in here that we know we did a lot of talk about sort of monster fucking and alien fucking in general when we had a whole episode dedicated to that in episode 26. So we're not going to like... It was so long ago. It was a while ago. So we're not going to rehash that that entirely. We are going to focus more on dragons in a wider context and also how one romances, one's dragon. Alex... And And then fucks it, obviously. Alex, take
1: it away. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell you, dear listeners, about my second favorite movie of all time. My first favorite movie is, of course, Jupiter Ascending. We've already had an episode about that one. This one is Ondrakon, which is a Russian movie. Uh, You can find it on Amazon Prime as I Am Dragon. (laughs) And it is is one of the best films of all time. Um, I already described a little bit of. Vivian Vandeveld's novel and this one is quite similar because it is about a young woman who is the daughter of a duke and she is being uh, married to a handsome knight and during the wedding ceremony she gets snatched by a dragon and uh, the dragon turns out to be able to shapeshift into an extremely hot man uh, who spends (laughs) literally the entire film shirtless (laughs) Because this show or this film loves you and wants you to be happy. (laughs) Meanwhile, okay, so the main character Mira is like so practical all of the time. She is like dead set on smashing something's head with a rock. She's in this situation, but she's like, I'm not gonna be a victim. No, no no, no, no. I, if no one's coming to save me, I'm just gonna fucking save myself. I'm gonna smash something with a rock. I'm going to cut off my hair and fashion it into a rope so I can climb out of this pit. I'm going to just gradually tear off more and more of my uh, like, tear off bits of my clothing to use them as bandages or tools <laughs> or anything. She's like, what resources do I have? Great. I will use them. I'm gonna make this into a boat. I'm gonna make this into a boat and I'm gonna make this into bandages. And she just like is so I just like she's grumbling the entire time about it. Like she's not handling it, it well. She's pissed. Um and and at some point she then upgrades to a dress that's like the dress equivalent of a comfy t-shirt and a pair of jeans. This show has no male gaze in it whatsoever. It's all about the female gaze and the long slow shots over the wear dragon's <laughs> beautiful pecs. Yeah, basically, yes. <laughs> and she does eventually manage to persuade him to
0: wear more than like a loin cloth okay? yeah i think all we, we get him in in the first place yeah he
1: starts off like with a couple rags strategically around his hips <laughs> and then <laughs> like she does get him a pair of pants but that's it because she's a smart girl and she knows that you don't put a shirt on something that isn't broken and he knows
2: nothing about how the humans live so for all he, he knows this is normal <laughs> yeah he doesn't yeah. know that shirts yeah. exist
0: <laughs> but this is also like a weirdly tropical island in the middle of like Russian stormy... Yeah, yeah but it's also no. the
2: corpse of a giant dragon, which I loved. It's like a yes, fossilized dragon skeleton is this like Id- idyllic island that just helpfully has several shipwrecked ships around it that yep. you can ransack for clothing.
0: Yes. And it grows dragon fruit. <laughs> it grows dragon fruit, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. And anyway, no and then she
2: they... just hands her some oh dragon fruit no, and she starts eating no. it. And I was like <laughs> yeah,
1: dragon fruit. Cool, dragon fruit. <laughs> like they don't say this is dragon fruit, no. right? Like you only no. know it's dragon fruit if you recognize it as oh, that's dragon fruit. That's hilarious. Um and then just to finish the plot summary, and then they fall in love. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yep. That's yep. everything <clears> yeah, that, that that's it, happens yep. at this My favorite yet.
2: thing about this actually was probably the first 10 minutes that show how the whole wedding ritual comes to be. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite things to world build is weird wedding rituals. I just love them. I will invent them at the drop of a hat. You know. (laughs) We know. We know. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so I loved how this showed that this traditional offering of your young, beautiful maidens to the dragon, you know, sending them out in boats dressed in white turns into part of the wedding ceremony. If you are Mm -hmm. offering the beautiful princess to the descendant of the dragon killer, you send her out in this boat dressed in white mm-hmm. uh, and he has to haul her across the harbor. And it was like, such so a beautiful visual. And yes. there were these oh, yes. the ways that things sort of translated that were they, were they like cranberries, those bright red berries uh-huh. that had been strewn onto the um, the, snow. the snow to help attract the, to, her to walk over to attract the dragon were then being thrown onto the bride like confetti and rice at a wedding. Yep.
1: Yeah, It was yeah. lovely.
2: I thought that was a really nice bit of world building and it really just like created this incredible thematic echo that they could then use to yes. bracket at the end in really fun ways.
1: Gorgeous world building. But I think that it's moving. a really
0: traditional um, dragon Western dragon story is kill dragon, get crown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of the backstory of this is that um, way back in history, the dragon took a young maiden who was in love with a knight and the knight went after her and killed the dragon. And so now his descendant will get to marry the princess and presumably become the
1: duke like it's sort of said that yeah yeah that was the
2: implication that that he was kind of he wants to be a prince so he's marrying into the royal family
1: yeah like it's never said outright that he wants to be the duke but like a couple people sort of imply it they're like i mean Mm -hmm. you know does he really love you or
2: yeah exactly i mean this also had like a very interesting piece of dragon reproduction
1: world building (laughs)
2: Which was yes. <laughs> quite a little bit darker than the rest of the film, really. Like up to that point mm-hmm. it'd been like shenanigans on a tropical island and like frolicking in the waves, and he's like, by the way, the way dragons reproduce is by burning people alive and then pulling
0: their young from the smouldering ashes of your well, skeleton. You know what I got from that also though, that I was that I wasn't quite sure I believed him. Um because the thing about this kid is he is the last dragon, and his father dies when he's a kid, right? Um, mm-hmm. so he hasn't really had sex ed. <laughs> Maybe this is like a cabbage story? what's actually happening is that the mother burns up in childbirth, rather than the baby magically appearing from being set on fire by the dragon.
1: Oh, 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 I see. Possibly. I mean, there is that line he says that, like, when the first time that he shifted into a dragon form, he got the memories of all mm-hmm. the dragons that came before him. So there is kind of a, like hundreds of years of lineage of history like falling Mm -hmm. into his brain um but it's possible i mean it was this movie was based on a book Mm -hmm. and books tend to have more details and and things (laughs) like that i haven't read the book i don't know if it's been translated into english but i I like the idea
2: though of that all that generational memory falling into a child's Mm -hmm. brain and the stuff that's that he can't process or it's not appropriate for him just kind of gets shunted Away, and so yeah. what, all he, he all he can think of is this, you know, woman burning up and a baby appearing, and maybe it <laughs> yeah. is some kind of like fucked up Twilight bullshit where you where the guy has se- guy dragon has sex with the human princess, and like baby dragon kind of burns its way out.
1: <laughs> that is Speaking up. Yeah. of like yeah.
0: Mira's view of the dragon, right? I think that it's a freedom story as much as anything. Mm-hmm. It's like freedom from expectations, getting to do what she wants rather than be a doll for someone else. Yeah. that from her point of view. Yeah.
1: And it's freedom for him as well, because mm-hmm. like he got all of these memories and immediately concluded, like, I'm a monster. Everyone who has come before me has also been a monster. Like he, in this one moment, he inherited all of this intergenerational trauma, mm-hmm. right. And has been fighting against it for his whole life. And he doesn't like the dragon he hates the dragon part of himself and he's been right. struggling with it and trying so hard to reject it and the wonderful thing about this movie also is that she doesn't heal him right it's not her love that heals him it's that she teaches him some coping mechanisms <laughs> so that he can heal himself yes. yes um like like she teaches him about uh music and she's like if you try to maybe like if you Behave more like a human. If you sing this song to yourself, maybe you will be able to like control it a little bit better. And then he does, and it does help. Mm-hmm. And I I love that it's not about the love of a good woman healing him. But I think that yeah. the
0: the whole um woman attracted to dragon in order to win freedom or mm. woman kidnapped by dragon and then finds dragon is pathway to freedom is yeah. a really. Interesting and fairly common, I think, at this point, feminist twist on the Dragon Steals Princess yes. story, which I think the next mm-hmm. one kinda deals with a little bit as well.
2: Yeah, it yeah. does. And before we move on to that one, I was gonna mention um uh uprooted. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well. Did you want to add, I was gonna say, yeah, the uprooted takes that and just removes the dragonness from the dragon. Oh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. It
0: removes like the the monster version, but he certainly called the dragon and he's viewed as acting as a dragon. Yes, yes.
2: Okay, so but you're right. The whole concept of woman stolen by dragon, falls in love with dragon, goes back to real world, realizes real world is not actually what she wanted in the f- in the first place, and then <laughs> has to be rescued again from the real world by yes. dragon, which I think by is dragon, a, yes. a great setup. Uh, so it's that one is one that we see again in the second temple, which is the Now, it's not actually a novella. It's technically a very short novel. Hmm. In the Vanisher's Palace by Aliette de Bodard. Oh, sorry, I've I've forgotten that you were introing it. Do you want to do the intro?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, darling listeners. Your serpents are disasters today. Yeah, Uh, It's all good. I only just had my coffee. We are all sleepy. Uh, Freya is drinking water and calling it coffee. Um, I had my coffee.
2: It (laughs) disappeared while we were faffing around earlier. Ah, Now I I only have
0: water. There was was much faffing. There is all sorts of dragons. Let's continue. In the Vanishers Palace by Aliette de Bodard has lesbians in it, which is an important fact, I feel. I mean, I guess one doesn't really know if they're lesbians and the dragon is not a lesbian, but it has queer women in it um and this is about what happens when a vietnamese river slash sea dragon who has been acting as a healer in a magical post-apocalypse world full of plagues um takes as payment for a healing a young teacher to become nursemaid to her two demon children Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Alien children. Alien yep. like Eldritch monstrosities uh children. Um there's a lot of eldritch shenanigans in this one. It's There are.
2: <laughs> I loved it. Uh-huh. It's so fucky. It's amazing. So yes, it... my pitch for this when I'm trying to sell it to people is I'm like, look, it's Beauty and the Beast, but with a dragon, and lesbians. <laughs> and at me but you know crossed with the sound of music because she steals this person to be governess to her yep. to her babies uh plus Escher architecture
1: oh the architecture combined. freaks me out i was really genuinely impressed by how effectively she was able to communicate the Escherness yeah, of yeah. the architecture yeah because i felt lost and disoriented in a good way um through basically the whole book i was like i don't know how much time has passed I don't know how big this palace is or what direction is up. Mm, that's um, true. <laughs> and it was, it was a really, really cool experience. I don't know that I would be able to pull it off half so well as she did. Mm-hmm. I think for me, there's kind of a spectrum of dragons, right? From
0: the, uh, this is a big lizard with wings that when it coughs, mm-hmm. fire comes out. Okay, I can poke it with a stick. It comes out of an egg. It's right there. All the way over to, on the other side, like, completely mystical, made of spirit matter, eldritch dragons. And these ones were pretty far to the right. Like, pretty far to the eldritch side of things. Yes. It's a very different mode of dragon to the Western dragon. It's a very good contrast, I think, to Andracon. All right? It's just totally different. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: and I really like how Eliot de Bernard uses dragons in her work drawing on that Vietnamese, mm-hmm. I guess... Type of dragon rather than the Western dragon. And honestly, one of my favourite dragons in fiction of all time is her uh, dragon prince in her House of Binding Thorns, Sundering oh. Flames, etc. series, because it's a similar thing that can appear as a human mm. uh, or can appear as fully dragon or can appear anywhere in between. And when he mm-hmm. gets upset, nice. he gets more dragony.
0: <laughs> mood.
2: Yeah, mood.
0: I <laughs> love that in this
1: one, uh, Vukon the dragon has antlers. We don't often see the Eastern style of dragons very often in our dragon fiction. And like it is just really cool to see different sorts of dragons who have different kinds of motivations than hoard gold and treasures and steal beautiful princesses and so forth.
2: Yes, although this one is like she's just this grumpy healer
1: who
2: needs someone to teach her demon children and finds herself very attracted to this like mortal woman and is like uh, and the kids are like mum, mum, you've been lonely for a long time it's okay she's like no i can't sleep with the help
1: <laughs> just take just take her on a date mom <laughs> uh,
0: and, and i mean like she's both a healer and a ruler right she yeah. holds like liege meetings from her throne in which pe- petitioners come to petition her for things mostly can you please unfuck Must've my healed. body
1: yeah, yeah.
2: But it's, yeah. it's interesting, because it does have that sort of liege sense, but it's overlaid on a very practical, bureaucratic like hospital administration role. <laughs> yes! Sitting there, like <laughs> she's like, okay, we're we going to have a budget meeting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's like, like, all right, we well, bed, bed allocations must be yeah. like this, and uh, you've mm-hmm. the schedule says that you're next for an operation, but this one <laughs> needs a liver transplant, so they're going first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's also got these like very clear post-colonial mm. roots of... Uh, This idea of living in the abandoned belongings and constructions of a race of beings that essentially dominated and enslaved your own.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And And fucked it up.
2: And then fucked it up and then left. Yep. And you're still dealing with untangling the resentment and the impact it's had on your culture. It's just a really, really clever book. It's doing a lot in a small space.
0: Speaking of oh. doing a lot in a small space... Hey.
2: <laughs> beautiful, Macy. That was beautiful. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and by a small space, we mean a tent. Yep. yep. And 4,000 words. And 4,000 words. Yep. So our third tentpole for today is... Which comes a, with actual tentpoles. Comes with actual tentpoles. It does take place in a tent and contains some <laughs> actual fucking, <laughs> <laughs> which the other two also did, but, you know, implied. Litless explicit
1: yeah, tasteful tasteful
0: Aliette's one has you know elided fucking
2: that's true that's true. This one has less of a fade to black, shall we say.
1: Andrecon has sex in the sky, so... They don't... Yeah, I got very confused by that, because there were red and
2: he was a dragon, and then suddenly he wasn't a dragon, and <laughs> I, I was like, was what's like...
0: happening? I it, it was just like alone? that bit from uh, How to Train Your Dragon to me, just that yeah. flying together. Anyway, whether or not they fuck in the sky is entirely immaterial Anyway, the,
2: next tent pole. the third temple. This is a fan <laughs> fiction for Naomi Novik's Temeraire <laughs> series. Yes. It is called Oh, Captain, My Captain. Excellent title. By November Smith, and it is a short and really sweet story about Temeraire the dragon finding somehow hand wave hand wave a, a magical amulet which allows him to transform into a human being for a short time, and he's very excited about this. And his beloved human captain Lawrence uh, is admittedly quite dubious about this, but then is also on board. It is so adorable.
0: I mean, because Lawrence Lance is like, we're in a mountain, and you are our transport, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, now we are stuck here, question mark. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, well, meanwhile, Timur is just like, woohoo, skin,
2: and launches himself <laughs> at Lawrence.
1: Oh, you have gold in your eyes. I couldn't see that before. That was so... Temeraire in this fic is perfectly characterized. <laughs> I mean, just really, really spot on. Just a good and soft boy. He's a good, good soft boy, and it really drives home the fact about how, you know, like, when he's in dragon form, he's not quite human, so when he behaves in a way that is obnoxious or or weird, you excuse it. You're like, oh, he's a dragon, right? But, like, when he's in human form, you're like, oh, wait, you're the same person in just a different body, and it is way more obvious, like... What an obnoxious <laughs> little quit you <laughs> yeah. are.
0: But, like a keystone of his characterization is gives no fucks. Oh, yeah. Wants yes. to know and has no embarrassment whatsoever. Like Temeraire has never gotten the concept of shame. No. And also like he's yeah. constantly questioning and encouraging
2: Lawrence to question... <laughs> the social norms that they operate within within you know yeah. the napoleonic wars and the army and the society and it just becomes a lot more obvious when he's like well why can't we have sex and lawrence yeah, is like, I so many you? reasons and he's like
0: <laughs>
1: all of them are stupid <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just let me kiss you once oh you have to kiss me back
1: and then when lawrence is like so how did you learn about <laughs> this anyway and tamara is like oh granby told me <laughs> it's like of course granby would tell you <laughs> granby probably told you on purpose. Because he knew that this would happen and he wants to fuck with me. But it
2: has a really yeah. nice aspect that the others don't, because we're seeing this person who's usually a dragon, but not usually a were dragon, not yeah. usually um, used to yeah. human form, just being totally delighted by the exploration ha, of hu- legs. human
1: biology, which is really sweet. <laughs> legs! Like, but um, what do the it- boobs feel like? You can't ask that, <laughs> It was really funny because when we were coming up yeah. with tent poles for this episode, we were like, okay, obviously we have to do a Temeraire fic where Temeraire turns into a human. Um. Obviously, duh. We have to like do that fic. it goes without saying. Yeah. yeah, we have to do that, and we kept referring to it as that one fic, right? <laughs> as it turns out, this when I was saying that one fic, I didn't mean this fic. No, me I either. was talking. Oh, I did actually. Uh, it was just the one that I made because yes. I read it, and I was like, <laughs> was Oh, this other... is the one I've read." <laughs> <laughs> no, but it had. We were like, you know, the one where Temur has the pearl and he turns <laughs> into a person. Because apparently, more than one person has done I it. I think so.
0: it's part of a legend. Like it's like a, oh, a thematic probably thing.
1: No, it is. It is. Yeah, it's based on a Chinese legend about a dragon who can turn into a person by swall- swallowing a pearl. Yeah, I'm like, the other one, I'm
0: pretty yeah. sure he swallowed the pearl. Uh, I think so.
1: The other one took place on a boat. Do you remember that, Macy? No. Anyway,
0: none of us have a memory okay. of this place. We were all disasters, <laughs> but this
1: pic is lovely. It is lovely. November Smith lovely. does good work.
0: And I like, I like that
2: Thank unlike you. the other ones, it's a relationship and a sexual experience between two people who know each other really, mm-hmm. really well.
0: Right. Yes. Like
2: they have been, you know, really, really close friends for such a long time. It's not yep. that they've met and one of them has been overwhelmed by the you know, dragonness of the other.
0: And I will talk about this a little bit more later, but like this is kind of as if Lawrence's ship has come to life and wants to sleep with him. Yeah. 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 It's like the episode yeah. where the TARDIS is a woman.
1: Yep. A little bit like that. little bit, Thank you, Gaiman. A little bit like that. Thank you, Gaiman. Yeah.
0: Except I think Temeraire is less likely to bite than the TARDIS. Actually, that nah, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Given the characterization in that
2: fic, I could see quite a bit of biting happening. I, th-
1: I think I think there's some nibbling happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is. There's that one yes, where Temeraire so, bites sure. as your <laughs> Sure.
0: But like, when the TARDIS bites you, you might start bleeding.
1: Okay. Like, she's a fair bit more feral. Than a fucking dragon? Yes. Than Temeraille. Okay. Do you not All remember right. this episode? Sure. She's she's pretty... No, I do. Yeah. I do. I don't choose to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I believe uh, we were promised a bespoke
1: Freya monologue. Oh, good. I love a Freya monologue. Freya, what fun facts Freya Corner is this? This isn't necessarily a fun facts corner, but it's
2: something that I was thinking about mm-hmm. in relation to what we've already discussed a little bit about that setup of the person being offered to the dragon. And what we saw in both Andracon and in Vanish's Palace of this idea of you are an unwilling offering to begin with and mm-hmm. then things happen, your feelings change, you learn more about the dragon, the dragon learns more about you, blah 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 romance. Uh, and then of course there has to be the symbolic letting go and giving you back your freedom and your choice and your agency. You return to the normal world and then because things repeat in stories there is a repeat of the original circumstances whether it is your village turning on you or you being offered in marriage to someone you don't love mm. and that is what requires you to then be rescued by the dragon and i love what how this exists as a metaphor and this idea of in order to deserve the freedom and the romance you have to give yourself up willingly or not mm. necessarily willingly but with courage
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: to something much much larger than yourself
1: you sure. have to give yourself
2: yes. you have to walk into danger with your eyes open and be open to love and mm-hmm. that and that is what it says about vulnerability and how you learn to deserve the protection and the love and the kindness that should have been yours all along
0: yeah and now i'm trying that's to think a- if that's the same because it's that's both andracon and um in the Vanisher's palace right yes yeah. and
2: the Temeraire series Again, like the pern ones as well, they're less on that romantic level, but it's more about, it's again, it's an offering. It's that you are binding yourself to something large, not necessarily willingly. um, And that binding of yourself to a larger thing is what ends up giving you freedom paradoxically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's in Temeraire, it's not about romantic love, but all or at least all of the captains that we see or all but one of yeah, the yep. dragon captains that we see in in those books do adore their dragons and, and love them and dote on them and are devoted to them mm-hmm. in non-romantic contexts. Yeah. And it's seen as weird and bad when that one captain we know who we're talking yep. about here is not absolutely adoring of his dragon.
0: And I'm actually going to note that Tem- the Temeraire book, the first one, does follow this pattern, right? Yes, um, it does. Uh, Lawrence has two opportunities to reject the dragon baby. Yes,
2: yeah, but he doesn't be out of duty, like it's a not it's the like... second time. No, the se- that's The thing that's it's the echo. The first time. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he is a dragon rider who's been waiting for his dragon. No, he is someone who doesn't want to be there, but out of duty to his country and to the military needs,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: he will offer himself up and bind himself. It's a symbolic death.
1: Yep. That
2: Or what he thinks is going to be the end of everything he had hoped for out of his life.
1: And And that's why you then have
2: to have that second opportunity for him to reject it and to choose the dragon.
1: And the thing that's bigger than himself is, one, quite literally the dragon, as it is in all of the, the pieces that have this trope. You know, like you're binding yourself to this dragon, which is physically larger than you. But then in Temporary specifically, there's also the abstract of binding yourself to service of the country. Which he kind because, of already had. Which he already had, but in the Navy, it's not so much of a life sentence as it is with the dragons. Because with the dragons, like you can't walk away from your dragon. You can walk away from a ship. You can't walk yeah, away from a dragon. and there's a the thing about
2: how the dragon corps are kind of set apart from the rest of society. Like they're yes. not necessarily looked down upon, but they haven't really got a place in the very regimented British society of the time. Mm. They're just outsiders. Mm-hmm. They're outsiders.
0: I mean, I'm not sure I 100% agree. Coming from a point of view of like Master and Commander and Hornblower, I think that mm. Naomi Novik kind of took the set apartness of seamen and amped it up 10x to make the Dragon Corps. Yep. But I think it was still like a, a difference in kind because yes. you do still have like you can't have a married life and live at home with your family um, as a sea captain. But I agree that it's mm-hmm. like way less reversible with a Dragon. And I'm yes. thinking also whether How to Train Your Dragon does a similar pattern. I think it does.
1: Mm, with no, I mean at the end of How to Train Your Dragon you're you're kind of integrating dragons into the society, the human society, sure, right? But I'm like they're about living alongside. Like the relationship between mm. Toothless and Hiccup.
2: I think so, but it's less it's more friendship by choice. Mm. Like they're yep. constantly choosing to be part of each other's lives and less of a you are now bonded to this our other being forever
0: I think for me one thing I want to talk about with this is why dragons specifically and why are dragons different to ye random monster right because I think that when we were talking about what this episode would be we looked back at the monster fucking episode and we're like are these distinct enough and I think mm-hmm. that the dragon as a symbol and as a metaphor in so many of our stories is the king of the monsters right the dragon is yeah. something other than just another entry in the bestiary. Um, they're frequently sentient. Um, they're also frequently a metaphor. And I compiled a little taxonomy of some things that dragons might be. Take us mm-hmm. through it. So first of all, I claim that dragons in the Temeraire series are ships. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Like, your dragon is your ship. Uh, you are the captain of your dragon. You have a crew. It's fine um and so it's a sentient ship it's a ship that can communicate but it is still essentially yeah if you're looking at like the role that the dragon fulfills in society at least in western militarized society um Mm -hmm. as opposed to the chinese scholar model which i thought was really interesting world building um but let's see there are also canons where like we're talking about toothless the dragon is an animal companion Mm -hmm. these aren't really sentient I would be pretty weirded out by a hiccup toothless fic. I'm sure there are tons of them. Um, I'm not there sure are. I would manage. I went and looked. Yeah, of course you did.
2: <laughs> I think I didn't read any. I think look, I honestly think a lot of them are probably AU's with a human version of toothless, uh,
0: but not yes. all of them. I think you would have to persuade me that toothless was sentient, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And I would also argue, and we can talk about this a little bit more later, that the McCaffrey dragons are closer to being animal companions than anything else. Do
2: you think that's to do with the, how separate they are from humans in terms of their thinking patterns? Like, and My memory of the Anne McCaffrey books is a little fuzzy, so I can't remember the extent to which like, the communication and the conversations they have with people are on the same level as the Temeria dragons.
0: I think it's partly because the McCaffrey dragons are bonded to one person, can only talk to one person, and are shown as having... A child's intellect levels, but never more than that. Mm-hmm. So they're almost mm-hmm. closest to demons in that case. Mm.
2: That's true. Like an like yes, interesting animal yeah. companion. So like that, that the that the, the yeah that the human dragon dyad becomes like a, per, a person in its own right, rather than yeah. Your dragon can talk to other people as well.
0: But then I will come to the one that like I think much of the time when we are looking at dragons in fiction, there's a link between dragons and monarchy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like a dragon is in charge. You don't have tons and tons of dragons. You have the one dragon on the lonely rock who is the king of his island. You know, you have the one dragon who can demand a princess
1: as his bride because that is the appropriate status. Right, or you have, for example, in The Hobbit, you have uh, Smaug, Smaug, Smaug? I don't fucking know how to pronounce that dragon's name. The dragon, Smaug, who, like, they have to steal something back from him because he essentially... Usurped the throne mm-hmm. of the dwarves and, mm-hmm. like, took the quote unquote crown, you know, the symbolic Might. object that grants power and authority um, from them and took it for himself and made himself king. Yes.
2: As would say, uh, well, often when you're seeing then dragons as this kind of monarch, as the kind of monarch that just tithes wealth and then sits yeah. on their hoard of gold mm-hmm. coins and doesn't spend it on road upkeep, we're not talking about them <laughs> as a benevolent monarch. And And Vukon in in the Vanisher's Palace is probably one of the only monarch dragons we see that is actually bothering to do Mm -hmm. some proper lieging rather than just collecting all the wealth and then going and having a nap on it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the dragon is very much um, King Uther, right? Or like the bad king from Hamlet. What's his name? Claudius? Am I getting my Shakespeare wrong? I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I'm a mathematician. I don't know classics. Um, But like the dragon is the selfish ruler.
1: Yeah. It's the billionaires of today. Oh, yeah, Yves. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I mean, but, it's but like though... when you
0: are marrying a dragon in this universe, you are coming into a world of wealth and power, but you're coming under the domination of this cruel person who owns all of this stuff, and you are subservient to them. In a way, yeah. huh? So. I think Naomi Novik is examining. I was about this a to say, lot. did you
2: just like have the whole set? Immediately said silver. that I was like so in spinning silver,
0: so in spinning silver.
2: She did the whole dragon mm-hmm. thing again, but this time without even the word dragon.
0: No, the elf yeah. prince is a dragon king in this version.
2: He has rooms full of like coins <laughs> and shit.
0: Oh my gosh! Ah. Oh. So every book, Naomi Novik, Naomi Novik
2: knows what she yeah. likes. She so even in her non-dragon books, there are dragons.
0: Mm. So uh, the scholar man's one so will have to play spot the dragon. Oh, Which
2: one of these characters is the dragon? The Right, queen?
0: but yeah, the <laughs> dragon is always about power, right? Yes, yeah. I agree. Always about power, um, and so. That's fun to play with. Like, do you wield the dragon? Do you seduce the dragon? Do you marry the dragon?
1: Speaking of And how and how does interacting with power change us? Because it is power that gives you freedom, right? Like when you are powerless, you are not free. You are at the mercy of other people or social norms or whatever. And it's by gaining power or agency that you are able to escape from that. Yes. But corrupted power is not always freedom. Like, the dragons are frequently not free.
2: We're talking more about... I think I think what Alex... You can correct me if you're wrong, but I think what Alex was saying, but from the point of view of being the human who is romancing slash interacting with mm-hmm. the dragon, mm-hmm. right. that, that yes. it's about what your freedom is rather than the freedom of the dragon, who in this case is yes. the metaphor.
0: Right. right, but I think right. that what we tend to see in ones where um, the end game is a relationship with the dragon is that in some way... In order to make the story satisfying and equal, the dragon has to be freed as well as the human Mm -hmm. from something they're caught up in.
1: Mm. Yes.
2: Yeah. And actually, I was thinking the Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon does dragons in a few different ways because it has both Western and Eastern dragons in it. Mm. Uh, And the Eastern dragons are kind of in a Pern situation where they have riders who are trained uh, and who bond with them and use them for military defense. But there's also a black market in dragon parts. Oh, and then the and then you have this other like danger dragon where the power that the dragon represents is actually like the end of the world. And there's a prophecy about the chained dragon rising and destroying the queenship on the other side of the world. There is a lot of dragons in the fire <laughs> of the Orange Tree. Also many lesbians, if that's something you're into. So. It's just such a long book. It's really long.
1: <laughs> so it is a large, chunky it's book. It's a chunky book.
0: I Someday... Yeah someday. But what someday. I was trying to segue to earlier but we got sidetracked from was yes. my claim of the three things one can do with a dragon. Okay. Yes. Tell us. Fuck, marry, kill. Oh, great. Agreed. Wonderful.
2: Perfect. <laughs> yes. And I think what's happened, <laughs> sure. and what's happened in the Temerific is that Lawrence has married a dragon. Oh, yes. And didn't quite realize it until the t- time came for him to fuck the dragon. And then he I was think... like, oh we're married
0: i will i will modify my own <laughs> statement and say that marriage in this phrasing can be replaced with have a contractual bond have a uh-huh. long-term uh-huh. committed contractual long-term bond.
1: contractual yeah yep yes, yes. they're married mm-hmm. sure yep <laughs> they they are married No, they literally are married and in anne mccaffrey they're married and um is how to train your dragon they're married yeah i think
2: so most dragon narratives are the transition from kill to marry in terms of your what is driving your interaction with your dragon most of it starts off with your thinking about the dragon as something that you have to destroy and by the end of it you're married to the dragon and fuck can be sprinkled in (laughs)
1: at any point before or after yep yep no and and absolutely does follow this too because it's not a literal kill but it is a like Lawrence spends the first couple chapters desperately trying to reject this dragon and like not have this dragon be in his life and not be married to a dragon. He's trying trying to like push the dragon away. Yeah. Um, from well, I him. mean, I mean, the
2: first Tamara book is structured exactly as a romance. Oh
1: yes, it is. Yes. So that's yeah, basically
2: yes. like the meet cute followed by the no, 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 no. We can't be together. I'm not in a place where <laughs> I... I can have a relationship right now. I. Remember <laughs> oh no! Now we're arranged married.
1: This is terrible. I remember reading His Majesty's Dragon the first book for the first time when I was like what 15, 16 and I got to page 52 and there is the line <laughs> I would rather have you than any ship in the navy oh. and I put the book down and I was like this author writes fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is true because the tune that she just played on my heartstrings, the chord that she just plucked on my heartstrings is exactly the same chord that has been plucked on my heartstrings by fanfiction authors since time immemorial. And I was like, "Mm, I see it. I see it. Anyway, it's such a satisfying book. The first one. It's so good. I feel like... I should reread that sometime.
0: I really enjoy that Ondrakorn very
1: clearly goes to fuck first. It does. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, they, they
2: couch it in, like, frolicking in the waves, but, like, it's a metaphor.
1: It... Yeah. You're gonna fuck the dragon. And, like... And, like, she... She had the opportunity to put a shirt on him. I am sure that there were shirts in all of those chests. Did she make the choice? No, because she's a sensible, practical young woman, and I love her for that decision. She's like, no, you don't need to put this on. What? Do you want to fuck a dragon? (laughs) Well, I personally don't. Thank (laughs) you. but. Yeah. I think that that Mira from On Dragon definitely Mira does. Does
0: actually? I don't know. She
1: does. I don't kiss think the she dragon. wants to fuck the actual dragon. She she does kiss the dragon on the mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, <exactly. laughs> I was gonna say she kisses the dragon before
2: she kisses That's the true. human form.
1: Yeah, and also at the no, end, she like yeah. climbs
2: aboard the dragon and like her skirt goes up her legs and it's like yeah, the most no, she, sexy she's oh actually gosh. looked the entire movie. Oh my gosh! Mm,
1: yeah, it's fine. Everything is no, fine. Yeah. I think we just proved that she conclusively does want to fuck the literal
2: dragon shaped dragon and somehow they managed to have a kid without her getting burned up so the power of
0: love i guess
1: the power of love i mean maybe he was was like in human mode more i
0: don't even know there was a lot of like who knows glowing coals in him stuff i don't know
1: but yeah oh yeah like i forgot to say like like they can't touch without him turning into a dragon I mean, yeah. he like learns it slowly. Yeah, the whole tension of the plot is based on the fact that they can't touch. <laughs> yeah, because lust is equal film. to
2: fire. I feel like that that's yeah. really adding something to this whole <sighs> fuck, Mary kill thing is the fact that dragons in the Western canon, at least, are fire breathing. And yeah. there's this very clear uh, sort of losing control of your emotions. Right. You know, yeah. dangerous, might burn you up. And lust it, metaphor happening.
0: <laughs> and it made me think of Uh, this Norwegian fairy tale, East of Sun, West of the Moon, um, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of a Beauty and the Beast thing where you get married to a beautiful prince, only he says, you can't look at me at
1: night. Mm. Yes, it also reminded me of another Norwegian (laughs) fairy tale called uh, Prince Lindworm, which is about a childless couple who want to have a baby. So a witch is like, eat this onion, (laughs) and the queen doesn't peel the onion first, so her child is born as a dragon. And when it comes time for him to marry the beautiful princess, It's this whole scene on a joke of peeling onions, right? And, like, she makes him take off his skins and take off his skins as she's taking off her dresses one by one until he is cured. And now he's he's a boy again because he was just a real boy under all those dragon skins. Like onion. Like an onion. Ogres
0: (laughs) Are ogres <laughs> like onions.
1: <laughs> yeah, just like an ogre, also like onions. <laughs> well, I mean, that, oh, like
2: leaping sideways from the fuck Mary kill for a second. Mm-hmm. That whole idea of the human buried beneath the like terrifying skin is used yes. in the Narnia books mm-hmm. as well. Um, with that whole metaphor for power and greed. When oh useless? yes, is with it Edmund or Edmund? yes, no it's Eustace. Eustace. Yeah, yeah. It's Eustace. yeah. Eustace. When Eustace, Eustace goes. In um, voyage of the Don Treader yeah like where he is like a yeah. pool or something where he tries to get yes, something from the it's pool. a well, it's a well. It's a and well. he turns into a yeah. dragon and Aslan has to come and literally like claw his body open and peel yeah. him out of his skin and it's excruciating and it's a metaphor for letting go of uh, greed and wealth
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and yeah and selfishness and selfishness by climbing yeah. out of the body of the, the selfish dragon
0: so I guess yeah. what we're hearing here is that capitalism is dragons and i want a socialist dragon
1: yes i mean it is though right and also like some of the other tropes of dragons are that you have to be really careful when you talk to them because they will trap you in words and languages and contracts which is why you always read your job contracts very carefully because corporations are dragons sure
0: I don't really want to fuck a corporation, though. That's bad. Like,
1: personally, not my thing.
0: But, like, when you sign up to work for one and then you try to make efforts to change it and make it better, you know? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on at my particular workplace at the moment where we try to convince the upper brass that, hey, maybe not being capitalist dickholes is a good life choice. (laughs) Did you want to have an Anne McCaffrey corner now?
1: Maybe. Can we have one? Do you two, you two both read Anne McCaffrey, right? I did have an Anne McCaffrey phase when I was like 11, which I think is the appropriate yes, time to have an Anne McCaffrey phase. That is definitely yeah. I think it might have I been about 12, 13.
0: It. Yeah. So the Anne McCaffrey thing that I'm specifically thinking about here when I'm tying it towards not just dragons existing, but like dragon marriage mm-hmm. is partly the hatching ceremony. Where it's dangerous and you might die and you might get yourself clawed to death by the dragons on the sands. But if one of the dragons picks you, your life will change forever and you'll be lifted up out of obscurity and
1: be secure and be fed for life. Yeah. And then your name gets an apostrophe in it. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah.
2: And, you get, and your <laughs> job is chosen for you. right then. for yes. us. Yes. And I your sexuality. We talked about this in the a- Animal Companions
0: But yes, episode. the colour of yeah. the dragon dictates your sexuality or vice versa. Uh but maybe the other thing that with Anne McCaffrey always gets me is the fucked up dragon sex. Yes. Because it's really interesting. I mean, quite aside, let's put aside for a moment the nonconsensual nature of some of the stuff which is pretty disturbing. But let's talk about participating in your bonded partner's sex life when they're not your romantically bonded
1: partner. It's a bit weird. It's kinda of weird. I mean, it's more than a bit weird, but it's like it's a choice that one can make when world yeah. building.
2: Yeah, because you can have a bond, like Timaria and Lawrence have a bond, but like they can still go off and like have sex with other people without the other one having to know all about it and Mm -hmm. or be involved and have orgasms.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the equivalent of like if you knew and experienced it viscerally every time that your um, drift partner. That would oh god, I don't like that AU. No, I don't like that AU either because it takes away like. Like, the beautiful thing about that is that it is consensual Mm -hmm. and that you're choosing each other. And so it takes away a big old chunk of the consensual choosing each other nature of it by saying, like, no, like, you don't get to pick what sort of relationship you have with them. Not even, like, like we're past the yes-no on the relationship question. Like, relationship, yes, but then you don't get to shape what kind of relationship Mm. you have or choose anything. It doesn't get to grow or change over time or get new aspects or, or release old aspects or anything. And I think this is something, um, actually, I'm going
0: to talk about human marriage in the real world here.
1: What?
0: What? Okay.
1: <laughs> so I
0: was at a wedding a little while back um, and someone was like, oh, and now they are together forever and there's no choice. And I'm just like, no, there's choice because I think the the fact that divorce exists makes marriage more meaningful.
1: Yes. Which is maybe a weird thing to say? No, I completely 1000% agree with you because, like, it's a choice. A lot of it's a choice, right. And, like, when you have the option of leaving, it means that making that choice is a real choice. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's more valuable. And I think it's more valuable.
0: I think that's part of why nowadays the McCaffrey dragon bonds don't ring as true to me because you cannot break that bond. There is no choice after the first choice right? You yeah. will die. You cannot break the bond. The only breakage is death. Apart like, very rarely. And then, like when one rarely. of you dies, when one of you dies, the other one goes mad. Mostly. Right? I think there's, yeah. like, one or two examples of that not happening, but basically, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think this is the way, if you want to actually fuck the dragon part, to do it. I think that there are more no. consensual, like, choice-driven ways, which maybe Freya will tell us about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so, I felt... That going through these tentpoles, most of them, as we have discussed, are shape-shifting dragons mm-hmm. and dragons that are at le- human at least part of the time. But they do exist, obviously, because humans and the internet... Plenty of stories where, nope, the human's just fucking the dragon, and the dragon is a dragon, and is going to remain a dragon. <laughs> and I was discussing this with a, a writer friend who said, you know, I think I have a book with some short stories of which one of them this actually happens. <laughs> and she found me uh, a book of short stories by Janine Ashbliss, who writes essentially fantasy erotica.
0: Mm-hmm. So all
2: nice. of all of the stories are erotic short stories, and one of them is indeed about a girl who is sent as the sacrifice to a dragon, and the dragon's basically like, well, all of our females have fucked off, but we still want to have sex, so we just like, randomly abduct girls. Um? Yeah, and she's like, mm-hmm, okay. Uh, how? Like, she's not not into it, but she's a bit cute, like, a little bit unsure of logistics, and he's like, and I'll show you, and then he does. Geek. And there is definitely A Steve Bucky story where Bucky is a dragon and Steve is like the pretty virgin who gets thrown to the dragon and they have sex while Bucky is a dragon. I read it. I should write a book like that. (laughs) But I can't find it. So if the scribes want to go looking, good luck. But you don't have to.
1: (laughs) You don't have to.
2: And and like, as I said, I went looking on Ao3. <laughs> there are 312 <laughs> hiccup toothless fix. I'm assuming most of them are not actually somebody having sex with a dragon, but there are 308 Bilbo Smaug fix because
1: of Sherlock. That's fandom. definitely having <laughs> sex with a dragon. <laughs> it is
2: definitely, and it is yeah, it's it's the fault of Sherlock Fender because they were like, oh Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no. No.
0: no, I have issues no. with that size differential. I'm sorry. Uh, look, again, yeah. I was not <laughs> clicking on these hits. I was
2: just filtering out of curiosity uh, and looking at the stats
0: We do not oh, judge sure. anyone's kink on this podcast, but by no, physics, I will judge your physics And like, you know, just ba- Bad Dragon
2: the sex toy shop actually exists
0: Like, if you Less, want to fuck yeah. a dragon
2: cock But someone they're not two you meters that. tall, <laughs>
0: They're not two meters tall
2: No, no, I don't think they make
0: them that big <laughs> Like If hopes. you're interested, there are some stuff out there. Would you guys like a weird ocean fact.
1: Sure, sure. So
0: Do you know all of these things about like seeing sea serpents out at sea and people like there are these weird wavy pink things that come out of the ocean and like, oh, you know what dicks. those are? Those are orca <laughs> dicks. Because well... <laughs> those things just look like weird fleshy tentacles, and orcas like well... swimming around poking them out <laughs> of the sea. <laughs> Um, and so, so that's basically oh, I'm, a dragon, I'm, right? I'm
2: wonderful. I'm so happy we managed to land on the the dragon is a metaphor for a penis. Yeah, we, we got there in the end.
0: <laughs> we did it. The <laughs> dragon is not a metaphor for a penis. It's just that presumably some dragons have penises or were yeah.
2: mistaken or were penises mistaken for dragons. Yes. It seems to be what you're saying there. That
1: way. Uh. Sea serpents. <laughs> I knew I could count on you for a weird ocean fact that would have to do with dicks. Makeup. Would you like, like to, to add a help. joke about seamen onto it, or should no, we just let that no. one go? I think that the seamen can get onto that all on their own. Macy, Macy said the word <laughs> seamen earlier in the episode, and I very carefully did not go a. <laughs> <"Ey." laughs> and I just feel like I should get some brownie points but for that. I will say before we
0: go, for our darling listeners, um, edification. Uh, the In the Vanishers Palace there is a fair bit of like making out with the actual dragon version that's true and like the yeah. dragon's cool coils wrapping around your legs yes,
1: the slimy coldness yeah. of the dragon <laughs> yeah so if you want a book about actually fucking the dragon read that yeah. I really feel like maybe I should write a book about falling wildly in love with the dragon now because it's one of those tropes that I just like that has its its <laughs> claws <laughs> yep. deep in my heart <laughs> shall we say
0: Hey everybody! Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. Dragons are a big part of mythology for a lot of us. They're the scary, powerful monster hiding the next hill over and stealing all of the women, or they're the mystical, wise scholar who will grant you advice if you ask politely, or they're the thieving, a society that your king blames his depredations on so you don't realise that he's the one who should be overthrown. And sometimes, just sometimes, the dragon is the one you fall in love with, despite everything the world tells you you should desire. Or maybe that's just us. Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence on January 15th, we'll be pitching one another on our favourite, most formative animes. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is Princess Tutu. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions? Comments? Breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation in our fan Discord chat, which is linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, if you were a dragon, I bet your horde would make the Bodleian jealous.